0: Hi everyone, we're here with Peregrine and Denise who are going to do this interview with us today. I hope you enjoy it. Let's crack on. So, could you guys tell us just a bit about what your family's like now, today?
1: Well, hi everyone. Um, We've got three adult children, two daughters and one son. The girls are both married and the son is engaged. And we've also got two very lovely, very small granddaughters.
2: And what was it like, what did life look like for you when your children were small?
3: I guess in some senses, because they're kind of now around 30, early 30s, and it's actually quite a long time ago. So I think our our experience probably is very different. For us, we took the decision that Denise stayed at home with the children until our youngest was seven. And at that point, she retrained as a teacher, Mm a teacher of modern foreign languages. I think our experience was kind of shaped around actually having one parent at home all the time obviously we we think that was hugely valuable
1: but we recognize
3: that that's not always going to be possible
1: and I think yeah for me being at home with the kids was was a real privilege looking back in retrospect and then I think moving on to becoming a teacher we changed gear quite a lot from when our youngest was seven so Miriam, our eldest, there's five years between the youngest and the eldest. So Miriam was just starting secondary school at the time. So that was a gear change as well. So things ramped up quite a lot for us and took a bit of adjusting. I guess between us, we managed to team things in different ways, sort of routines and roles changed. And went took Ruth to school when I was training and studying, which actually ended up being quite beneficial for, for Ruth because I think she's still got that quite special bond through really, yeah, from those walks going for to me. school. So, I mean, in one sense, uh, having children very close in age can be quite challenging. It's intense. And intense, yeah. Uh, demands were were total. At all the time, there were demands. But it was also, although it was exhausting, it was also really fun. And I think looking back, our kids would say that they really appreciated that time to the extent that they're, you know, they're, there's quite a lot that they would say we found really valuable and now we'll get messages from one of them saying oh we're doing this now or do you remember this and those things could only happen because I was at home.
0: What elements of what you did over that the whole period of your, your children growing up would you say that you're you're proud of? I guess they survived that's a start.
1: <laughs> I think that's always a win-win isn't it? by the end of each day sometimes you're like we're all alive I'm proud of that.
0: Yeah, you've got through that 30 4.30 to 6pm slot.
1: Especially the arsenic hour at the end of the day. Want to
3: say anything more about how
1: they've turned out? I mean, I think, as any of us know, who have children, all of our children are really unique. And for us, it was really important to just try and help them to be their unique selves, really. Didn't by any means get it all right at all. But just by observing their, just their various character traits, their personalities, their temperaments from quite a young age, and things would develop quite quickly. So we always tried to value who they were as individuals and they're all three of them were really different, really different. And being so close to nature right, there was that, that danger of comparison the whole time and sort of competition, which is natural among siblings anyway. But yeah, so we tried to just give them the opportunities essentially, sort of according to their talents. And if they wanted to try something, as long as we could afford it or we have the time or the capacity, then we would... I think we made it a deliberate policy to just encourage them to go for it, to develop a can do mentality,
3: if you like. We wanted them to dream dreams, to help them to pursue those sorts of things. So mm. I, I can think of lots of things that were discarded a long way because they, they dreamt and actually it work. wasn't quite what they wanted to do after all. Yeah. Yeah. But giving them that opportunity, I, I think it was a real privilege for us to be able to do that. And I think it, it really strong value for, for both of us, but probably. For both of us but it was something that probably had been ingrained in my own childhood and we spent a lot of time trying to understand what was important to them their gifts their their skills and give them opportunity to do that and I guess ultimately actually to understand their heart really their their innate character sensitivities and all the rest of it just so that we could try to, mm. you know, strengthen them, help them in who they mm. they were developing to be.
1: We ended up sending them to three different schools, ultimately, second yeah. school. I know we're talking mainly about primary areas here, but but through observing them over the years, then it was clear, actually, that number one, if they are all in the same place, they weren't going to thrive together. And number two, because they were so different, that it was good for us to separate them out, for them to have their own identity.
3: Mm. And I think they'd each say that, particularly in the secondary school, they were able to thrive because they were in an environment that was to the extent any school can be, but was attuned to who they were individually rather than trying to say, okay, well we're we're in this locality. So that's a school that everyone goes to and it's a sausage machine. We just don't didn't feel that the sausage machine was a way to go.
1: And Peregrine's one of um, three boys and a sister. And in his early days, he was—he's the youngest, so he would always have people sort of comparing him to his elder siblings. So I think, from that point of view, I—I so didn't I don't like that at all. It made me more rebellious. So.
0: <laughs> but we're not talking about. We'll ask you about that after the call.
2: <laughs> <laughs> In terms of that, like managing all those different personalities what was your overall family culture like? Yeah I mean I
1: think it probably evolved as we went along we we didn't set out to say this has to be our cultural identity maybe in retrospect you know we might have done but I think the key thing was really to keep things quite simple we had a lot of fun and a lot of the fun was just simple creative fun not expensive fun really you know just doing things I don't know around water play or going out for family outings for days together or creative and imaginative type stuff we wouldn't pay stats of money most expensive might as I got a bit older might be a pizza night in front of the tv or films or something but that's as I got older but but essentially we would just try to have create fun really and and be simple in, in the way we did life.
0: and within that did you create any like family traditions that kind of carried on for you know for multiple years or anything like that I mean, you already said that your your kids are starting to repeat some of the things that you did in their own sort of families. Yeah, I think so.
3: You know, one we were kind of deliberate about was mealtime, sort of having the supper time, tea time, whatever you want to call it, together and sort of coming back from the city. I made a point of as far as possible not working late and all that sort of stuff, so that we could actually have a mealtime together. I, I think that paid off and was mm. valuable not just in sort of primary years, but Actually, it was particularly good to establish that for when they became teenagers and you know, people at clubs and all sorts of other things. But because there was that sort of family value, then by and large, we still ate around the table together.
1: And then, I mean, other things that, that evolved, how it quite started. But one of our children was given a book called The Choosing Day, which I've actually dug out. So I was looking for things for our brand or- there it is it's called the choosing day um, and it was basically my little girl this birthday was and she got to choose whatever she wanted to do from the beginning of the day to the end of the day so they really liked that idea of course <laughs> They're like let's have a choosing day so we did that sort of all the way through for their birthdays after that they, they had their choosing day and I think one of the things that has stuck is that they would always like to have croissant for their breakfast. A um, bit of French and, milk and chocolate milkshake. <laughs> That's
0: that French vibe coming through. Or? Yeah, Absolutely. So.
1: Yeah. Of course, the
0: chocolate <laughs> milkshake was one called Benko, which is a sort of
3: French <laughs> children's um, breakfast milkshake.
1: So it's always a highlight for them to have that. So um, any special day, but particularly birthdays, and they they still do it. We all still do it. And it's our birthdays. We, we still all have we don't have the chocolate cake actually, we have the coffee now. <laughs> so yeah, we know that all around the world, because our, our eldest daughter lives in Taiwan, she struggles a bit to find any really fossil out there that, that are really authentic. Those are sort of things of stuff, aren't they? Really? Yeah. And then um, so Peggy needs to take the kids to work with them, take it in time yeah. to go to work.
3: That that was
1: which they loved. Sort
3: of always a bit wild. I, I remember. Huh? one of them and i won't say which uh, <laughs> sort of running along a corridor and mm-hmm. jumping on the managing director so he had a, a not sorry not on the director himself he, he had a, a poof thing in his office and so she sort
0: of ran along the corridor and launched herself onto this poof <laughs> <I> <laughs> tried, <laughs>
1: tried.
0: <laughs> things though you said her we know that your son's out of the equation on that one <laughs> so he's he's in the He's He's
1: so <laughs> he has been known for another embarrassing
0: moment. <laughs> 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 so I
1: think those, those days of work, we're still about to stress the paragraph as they went, but the kids really <laughs> enjoyed them.
3: <laughs> so. yeah. And obviously, I have to say, my workplace were quite tolerant of kids being around, and actually, at various times, they've done sort of children's events, sort of bringing children into the office and stuff like that so i'm, I'm not saying that i created that culture in, in the company but it is something that they have tolerated which inevitably isn't always possible but i, I think there's real value for children to mm. see where mum or dad do work you know, it may not be a whole day but actually just coming in and seeing something around what they do and why they're not at home or you know, playing with the diggers in the sandpit. it's mm. kind of understanding yeah there is other stuff and that's what we do.
1: And they always really enjoyed it. So our eldest is talking about it recently. She said, Oh, it just made me feel so special that I was allowed to go to work. I went to the plane. It's my own time. And you know, she would lay her clothes out the night before. <laughs> it's just a, a really special time, really. So And they were able, they able to it. choose
3: lunch as well, which in younger years was kind of McDonald's, but as the years went by got a little more sophisticated and a little more expensive as well. <laughs>
1: And then we you know we've done things like games nights and did the usual stuff that families like to do really nothing earth-shattering. Christmas they always like to read the book which was the night before Christmas when all from the house yeah that comes out every year still now.
2: What do you feel were your biggest challenges in those years when the children were little?
3: I think I have to say that finances were having made the choice that we were kind of one income and it, it was fairly early in my career as well so There was pressure not only from one income, but also to build a career. And it it was busy, stressful sometimes, uh, and there were demands to balance as well. Inevitably, things weren't always cheap. Children actually can be quite expensive. Even if you do the sort of fairly simple, fun things, there's still a lot to get together.
1: I think energy was certainly one as well. And probably for me, particularly, but actually all the way through for different reasons, I think children can bring you to the end of yourself in a way that I just never thought was possible. Not that I'm saying I'm a perfect super saint, but I wouldn't consider myself to be a highly volatile person. Um, But I think children can bring you to that edge, which is quite shocking and frightening at times when you come face to face with with yourself. Yes, I had to learn to manage those energy levels. And that was an ongoing thing. At times we were able to give each other breaks, if that's possible, but it was mainly down to me during the, the care of the kids uh, during the week. Really. So it wasn't always very easy just to take time.
0: Around that, did you have support network? Did you have other ways of, you know, support around you?
1: We were fortunate enough to have my my parents, my mum and dad, who live fairly locally. All the way through the children's years, they would come over once a week, which was great. As the children got into primary school, they would pick them up from school one day a week, which is a lifesaver for me, and take them off to a park somewhere or mcdonald's <laughs> that was the year where mcdonald's with the big trees, I'm afraid <laughs> these days i don't think it'd be quite the same they survived
3: obviously that that's benefit to both grandparents and to mm. the children in terms of creating relationship and yeah. giving freedom and yeah. I, I think being part of the church actually was really helpful as well and i guess inevitably there were sort of times when people would babysit for us child mind which gave us some uh, respite but also the church inevitably from time to time did child-orientated activities whether it's kind of Saturdays where they did fun things or whatever but but there were those sorts of facilities as well. I think the other comment about church is and kind of being part of the community is a real positive because you inevitably got others in a similar sort of situation where you can kind of talk to them and Compare notes, but also, I think in the back of my mind, there's a caution about comparing notes as well. That sometimes it can be a kind of culture of comparison being be- between children, which can be a pressure for us as parents. So it's a bit of a knife edge. It's positive, but it isn't always positive to be well connected into a community.
2: Yeah, and I guess if you make decisions that are different than other people in your community, that can feel quite. Difficult as well. Yeah. So I, I guess
1: in some senses that just comes down to being content that as parents, that we're the best parents we can be for our own kids and for our own family. Just trying to stand our ground graciously in, in the decisions that we take.
2: Yes. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> recognizing that we're doing the best we can and so is everyone yeah. else. Yeah. Do you feel that parenting changed you in any way? Do you feel like you're different having been through the process than you were before?
3: Absolutely, like
1: completely I think.
3: Yeah, I mean it, it's such a privilege having children it really is. Um I think one, one school that I didn't know that I had was that I could go to sleep cop right.
1: Yeah. That is totally true. I'd send Peregrine in to get the children for tea or something and they might be watching something on TV and then nobody would come back eventually find them and they'd be laughing, carrying on watching and peregrine
3: was standing at someone sleep. They were tiring days. <laughs> <laughs> You've got
0: yeah. Those 40 those wings where you can, right? Every <laughs> absolutely power naps, yeah. Any other ways that you sort of know that you sort of change through the period of parenting?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I touched on it earlier just that sense of just being aware that I had to develop a whole new way of, of being in terms of patience and managing myself. Managing myself, I think, was a could be a challenge because there weren't always many outlets that you could actually do anything different with, but but just inwardly, just being aware of tolerance levels, really. And I think actually that as I started to work, I also, I think we probably had quite high expectations of our children and sometimes might've been a bit unrealistic in those, especially with the first, because then the second comes along and the first has to grow up quickly and, and all the rest of it, and maybe a bit more sort of lenient with the third, but, I think you mean she gets
3: away with it. Well, she got away
1: with more, definitely. Um, yeah, but I think just in terms of just once once I actually started teaching, ironically, I actually thought, I actually, I need to change my expectations because they're, they're doing all right. So, <laughs> so that, that helped in a different way, really. And
3: I, I think you know, over the years, parenting inevitably teaches you an awful lot about yourself in terms mm-hmm. of how to manage energy levels, where you are empathetic or not empathetic, how different situations can press your triggers and yep. send you into orbit and all those sorts of things which actually are huge life skills not just in a family setting but everywhere it's just a general training down to, uh,
0: to life we wanted to move on to ask a bit about communication next but it's sort of I feel like it's linked to that like we, we're like communication is really integral to this and but I also almost like you just said as I've learned to communicate better with my kids it's almost like that helps in other areas of life as well. How have you, you know, through that, are there any lessons you learned around communicating with your kids well and things that you tried that just didn't work or weren't as effective or anything or caused problems or anything like that?
3: As probably most parents, then there were stories at bedtime and that was kind of common to each of them. But then actually was trying to listen to the norms, as long as I didn't go to sleep (laughs) <laughs> then you know how they responded to the stories or which stories were more important and try to go beyond the actual story to think okay well what what's that telling me about the child and how can I be more effective in communicating on that and obviously that then leads into different activities so sort of one-on-one time and things like that which I think probably are more important in some senses in terms of communicating in a a family where there are more than one child, you need to have that time with them alone and understand them alone.
1: And I think, um, yeah, in terms of communicating with them, one of the things we did try to do fairly deliberately was just be aware sort of, of times when they misbehaved or did something childish to kind of like try to be very careful that once we had, to, we had to deal with whatever an issue was. That we were quite careful to point out that if this didn't affect how we felt about our kids, about them. That we still loved them, but it was more the act that we had to discipline them for, for whatever reason. And so we were really careful to stress that a lot, sort of like that, just that unconditional love. That actually it doesn't depend on what we're doing, what we've not done, but we do have to deal with some of these issues at the same time. And then you know be really careful to make sure that we did reinforce that we loved them. And, you know we got it wrong stacks and stacks of times and lost our cool and did all sorts of things and I think one of the things I just remember very early on was just like having to say to one of them that I'm really sorry I'm just not perfect you know I make mistakes and to ask them to forgive me for the mistakes I made and and I think probably that's helped over the years for us to build a builder. You know, parents aren't superhuman and it's not a good model to give children that parents are superhuman or anyone else is superhuman for that year. You know, we will let them down. And so I think it's about healthy people. It was a relief for me to be able to say, oh, I'm really sorry, i got something wrong and um, you know, let's start again.
3: I think for you, particularly because you did quite a lot of it, then car journeys taking one of them mm. to a, a sports thing or whatever was mm also a really valuable time yeah. just again it's that one-on-one time car journeys actually can be really mundane and even fractious particularly on the traffic so bad but mm-hmm. it's kind of recognizing that those moments are, are also potentially precious and our mm-hmm. opportunities for the child potentially to say something that gives you a, a real sort of mm-hmm. a key to what they're, they're going through or thinking mm-hmm. or whatever so hugely valuable. I think you
1: learn to just capitalise on those moments, like, well, I'm going to the shop, we're going to buy some bread. Let's take child A with me, or you know, let's just walk off down the road. And lots of people have dogs these days. Dogs are obviously the very thing. Um, so taking a child a time to walk the dog. The dog has to be walked every day, but those sorts of things, do not they're not extra things. They're things that if we're a bit savvy, then we can build some of those things in quite easily.
2: Are there any things that you know now that you'd wish you'd known When you were little, like kind of looking back in hindsight, is there anything you kind of would have done differently or?
1: I think in some ways it's, I think what I've learned and realized more and increasingly is that, you know, we are pretty consistent with our kids. We'll get it wrong, we'll make mistakes. We won't have a perfect life. I just think the consistency for them, they'll be fine at the end of the day. They go through stages, they go through phases. I wish I hadn't worried so much about every single phase and stage because as soon as you get to one, you get to the next one, essentially. And, um, you know, kids move themselves on as long as you're there. And and I think a lot of it, when I look back, has been more about my development as a person and how I've changed over the years and not to worry so Mm. much about every single thing that might have to be in the perfect order for my children because they will be fine. They will find their way.
3: I love the (laughs) about being self forgiving Recognizing we're we're not going to get it right. And quite often, we're we're hardest on ourselves in terms of what went wrong and we'll hold on to it. Whereas the children have probably moved on a long way. So it it is actually being self-forgiving and kind of looking after yourselves, obviously. But more than anything, the children fundamentally need to know that they're loved and they're secure Mm. and they're not looking for perfection. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, the things that, appear to go wrong, are actually learning points for them in a bizarre sort of way.
1: And I think another thing that just come to me is just not to be afraid to ask for help. I don't think I asked for enough help along the way, mm. I'm not sure who I'd have asked necessarily but I think there was that sense of when I make this work, and, you know, almost that sense that oh, asking for help could be a bit of a weakness really. So to develop a good network of supportive people who can support each other and you can ask to help from, I think is just so, so valuable really, which allows you then hopefully to get the time for yourself. And I think getting time for oneself is hugely important to build that margin in so that you've got enough capacity and energy to deal with the emotional demands of of the children as well.
0: And I I guess as we wrap it up, would you have any like last sort of like bite-sized chunks of advice that, you know, if you were last What advice would you give to to, to parents of young children now?
3: Probably the first one is just to say you are the best parent for your child. Mm -hmm. There's that sense that Mm. they are uniquely formed from you. There's no one else that they can be formed from in biological terms. The DNA is from you as parents. So I think the sort of corollary of that is that you're uniquely equipped to nurture them. So it's kind of just being positive around the fact
1: that you're best. I think that's the same, whether it's biological or adoptive or any other combination of families. But, but, you know, that I think it's having confidence in who you are as a parent. You know, it's down to you, but it's not an overwhelming responsibility. It's something that that you're capable of doing. I think being positive and telling yourself on those bad days, you know what, I can do this. It's only a bad day. You move on. It's fine. Um, and and the other thing i would say is just to keep it simple really look to make the memories because the time goes fast really fast and it's been really nice now when the kids come back and they're like oh do you remember we did that or we were laughing about this or i'm doing this with our children now and that's really nice
2: to hear this things. great thanks very much if you've enjoyed this podcast please subscribe and feel free to share it with anyone else who might enjoy it